morning, church. Lovely to be um, speaking again and uh, really want to encourage you this morning and uh, remind us of some great truth. I'm actually finishing off the 1 John series, but it is really relevant, actually, and um, so I'm quite pleased to be able to share this. And uh, I've been thinking about this for a while, um, so um, I trust that it will encourage you as it's encouraged me. If you're visiting this morning and uh, you're new to Christian things, this is also a great message because it really is about, um, or is rooted in the core of what we believe, the gospel or the good news. So um, it's from 1 John, and so we have this letter from the John who uh, wrote a number of letters to the churches, and this is from chapter 5 verses 13 to the end of the chapter, and I'm just going to read it. And he says this, I write these things, so he's coming to the end of his his letter, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we will have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects, um, sorry, but he who is born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And so before we go into that, we'll just go back and go through the the verses. I wanted to um, just to help us to picture this, is to go really back to this question of what is the good news? Because I I think that John is doing is is that he's, in this first question, this first verse, he's he's, he's saying to them that you may know that you have eternal life. And salvation, the Christian message, is really a story of how we were destined for eternal death, but Christ has come and has given us eternal life. And um, he says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know you have eternal life? Do you know that now you're experiencing living in eternal life and that you will, when you die, go to be in heaven with, with Christ? And the Bible teaches that not everyone is not about good works that gets us into heaven. And, um, and there can be a lot of confusion in many people's minds as to what is the Christian faith about. And so what is the gospel? What is the good news? What is the core message that we believe? And, uh, and I think it'd be helpful for us to know that and just think about that as we look at this passage because John was wanting them to know the truth. And what is the truth? I mean, the truth is the whole Bible. Um, and it speaks of Christ, but more importantly, it speaks of what Christ has done. 
And we can think about this good news, and some might say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, we don't need to hear the gospel anymore, the good news. Um, and, um, you know, that's really for people that don't know Jesus. And, you know, let's have some more deeper truth, or we might use words like that, we might not. But what is the gospel? And we can go back to the gospel, and we can think about it in this way. We can go right back to being God, who existed before anything was created, created the world, he created humanity through Adam and Eve in order that he may have a loving, real relationship with humanity. But Adam and Eve disobey God, and when we disobey God, sin comes into and came into humanity and separated us from God. They were thrown out of the Garden of Eden. They were, they were, their relationship with God was broken um, because they decided to disobey God. And, and that affected the whole creation. And we ourselves inherit that same condition. And God had said to them, if you eat of this tree um, of, knowledge and good, of good, knowledge and good and evil, you will surely die. And uh, they died in two ways. They died eventually physically, and they died spiritually immediately. That separation, that's what sin does. It, it, it has, we come out the womb spiritually dead, though physically alive. And we've all inherited that separation. But God so loved the world, and he wanted that relationship. He knew that there needed to be something that was to happen. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to the earth, to, to, as a human being, to die on the cross in order to take away the sin. The only way sin is dealt with is through sacrifice, through death, through the shedding of blood. And Jesus, instead of it being me and you, Jesus took that place on the cross. He took the sin upon him. And instead of us dying in our sin, he died with our sin laid on him. And he took this punishment that was due us upon his shoulders so that we didn't have to. And so, and he did this because in order for us to return to God, we had to have our sin dealt with. And we couldn't do it in ourselves. We couldn't work our way to it. We couldn't make ourselves any better. We couldn't get anywhere close. So he did it for us. And he says to us, if you trust in me for your salvation, if you put your faith in me, then I will give you my righteousness. And, uh, and this is the wonderful gospel. It is purely by the grace of God, not our works, not our doings, not our best efforts, not our being good that brings us back to God. It is what he has done, his works on the cross, that brings us back to, to him. And that means that this salvation is open to anyone you don't have to be a certain level of righteousness because our righteousness, as the Bible says, is as filthy rags. And, um, and this great love of his is this great grace, is the cornerstone. See, Jesus, not only did he take um, our sin upon him, but he took that sin to the grave. Three days later, he rose again, conquering death. And he did that as a pathway for us through faith in him that not only does sin dealt with, but that original, that death that was also a curse upon humanity, that spiritual death was dealt with in Christ, and even physical death, in, in that, that we no longer have to fear death. We know now that when we die, when we leave this earth, we will go to be with him, because we have received eternal life. And the good news here, again, just to labour this point, we cannot work our way into God's 
heart. We cannot work our way in order to please him enough to love us. We cannot do any of that. We don't need to do any of that. The good news is, is that only by putting our faith in him, our trust and our reliance upon him, by coming to him and recognizing, as someone once said, you know, in the, in the old hymn, uh, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there? And when we realize it's because of our sin he died, it, as if we were the ones who put him on the cross, we realize also as, as much as we are part in that story, we can be in this part of the story where he rose from the dead and he's forgiven us of our sin. So we have to recognize that, that we are part of the problem, but he is the answer. It is not us. And this is good news in that good works, being a good person, has nothing to do with salvation. It is nothing to do with how we gain salvation. In fact, good works and being a good person, being like Christ, is a byproduct of salvation. It is what salvation does in us. God comes and changes us from the inside out. And that's why we do good things. So if you're thinking that Christianity is all about how good you are, and what you have to do in order to qualify for heaven. That is not what the good news is. The good news is, is that Jesus makes us, changes us in the inside out, and we want to be and do different things, good things. And that's the good news. And I think, you know, when we think about this gospel, the grace of God, that I am saved because of what he did, is what I think John had in mind in this whole letter because people were coming in with another message and it wasn't good news. It was either works, work your way to heaven, have this knowledge and then you'll be able to gain something. He's saying, no, it is about grace. Do you know that you have eternal life? Do you know the grace of God upon your life? And this is important for Christians because Christians, after a while, can start to drift away from the gospel truth of the grace of God that salvation is by grace through faith. And and what's important here is, is that we can start to drift into good works. We start to think that, oh, I can't, God's not pleased with me because I didn't do this. Or, you know, I can't face God anymore because I, I wasn't good enough at that. Or I failed and I struggled. And, and this is where John, you know, John has written elsewhere in, in the Gospel of John. He says this, this whole, this really important thing about, about eternal life and about salvation, and again, it just goes in the opposite direction to, I've got to be good enough. And he says this in John 17, verse 3, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And uh, what a wonderful thing, that's the words of Jesus. Um, this is eternal life, to know him, to know Jesus. And, um, and this is the good news. And so do you know the reality of living in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or have you drifted into works? Or the opposite, what can happen is we drift into um, sinning on the basis that actually it's not about what we do. We've lost track of grace came to deal with sin. Jesus came to deal with sin, as Paul said. Why live any longer in it? It robs you. It robs you of a life um, in God. And so... He starts with this, do you know? And then he goes on, he says this in verse 14 and 15, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us um, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. 
And so now he goes on and he talks about, do you know, so he said, do you know you've got eternal life? And he says, do you know that you've got confidence? Can, do you have a confidence in that relationship? And, and um, you know, we're building our lives on this gospel of Jesus Christ, on him himself, on his truth. We're building confidence. As we go on and we walk with God, we should be getting more and more confident in our relationship with God. And, um, and we get that through reading his word. We get that as John has written this letter. And, uh, and what we can say as a matter of fact is that if John is saying in his letter to these people, he's saying, listen, um, for instance, if he was to say, you know, have you fallen into sin? Have you stumbled and made a, a mistake? Then here's the word of God. We have an advocate with the Father who will plead our case and bring us forgiveness and, reconcil- and restoration. That's in 1 John 2 verse 1. If John says that, we have absolute confidence that even if we stumble into sin, we get up, we ask God's forgiveness, and right away we know we are confident right back in that place. And we don't have to go moping around in guilt or even some form of penance in order to work our way back into God's favour. That's a, that is a diversion from the gospel of grace. And so another, another thing, so think about this. What has John written in here? What are the promises of the Bible? If you ask God anything he has promised you, you know you will receive it. That's what he's saying. Now, some, um, God may speak to you a specific word, and that brings faith to believing for it. But on this level, I believe what John is saying, he's saying, listen, as he said before, um, you know, maybe some were losing, or some of us even now, losing confidence in the fact that God says that when we come to salvation, he will dwell within us by his spirit. And John says that in 1 John 2 verse 27. Are you losing confidence in the spirit that is living within you? And, uh, and, we, and it even says you have no need that anyone teach you. In other words, the, the resources of God lives within your heart. Seek him, abide in him, listen to him, and you will find your way. And maybe some are losing confidence in that. Um, and, but this is truth. If you ask God, God, I need your word, I need your guidance, I need to know the teaching or the learn, you know, learning of the Holy Spirit, he will answer you. Be confident. He will answer you. And I'm just picking out some of these verses. 1 John 2, 28, where it talks about fearfully meeting. Um, let me read it to you. It says, Now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, he may have confidence. We may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. It says, abide in him. That's a promise. There is a promise there that as we abide in him, we will grow in confidence that if he was to return even today in the air, we will know him. And that brings that confidence and that lack of shame. Um, 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. It's scripture, it's promise. This is the will of God in truth. He's speaking to us these words. And so if you pray and ask God according to these words, God, I know I'm a son of God. I pray for a new revelation of my status with you. I feel as though the enemy is telling me lies. I feel as though I'm being drawn away from that truth. Will you come and speak to me? He will answer you. And there are many other scriptures in the Bible, and you could even go through John. 
that talks great promises of God that you can claim, not in any kind of um, positive thinking way, but in a way in this, that whatever we, um, that this is the confidence we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. Wonderful. So we ask of him according to scripture. If you want to pray, if you really want to pray effectively, pray the promises of God over people and over yourself and over your family. And so we have this confidence. And then he goes on and he says this, and he uses a scenario which I would entitle, let us be a church that encourages and warns our brothers and sisters, that looks out after our brothers and sisters. Is there anyone who is drifting from the gospel of Jesus Christ? Then we need to take responsibility for our brothers and sisters and in love warn them. And so he says this, he says in verse 16 to 18, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. There can be some confusion over these verses because there can be a big discussion about are there different types of sin? Is there some sins that are really, really bad that that will lead to death and some then argue is that spiritual death, physical death? Or are there some sins that aren't as different? And, And I think, as John says here, all wrongdoing is sin. And we also have to look at this in the context of what is already written. And throughout this letter he's talked about two types of sin so and I don't mean these are good or bad but there are two contexts in which sin operates and in chapter 2 verse 1 he says this this is the first he says I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous and this is when Christians stumble into sin when we make a mistake when we um, are tired and we're thinking or we get ratty and we say something or we do something that is wrong and, um, or whether we literally go and uh, commit sin but we, we've, it's not because we are wanting to live a life of sin it's that we have made a mistake we are responsible for it but we have an advocate one who argues on our behalf in heaven who has paid the price grace has covered it and God says, go to him, ask repentance, um, with repentance, ask forgiveness, and there is provision for you to be clean. So get up and get walking with God in the right way again. And this is the sin that does not lead to death. And then there is the other sin, which is in chapter 3, verse uh, 4 to 6, where he says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him nor known him. And again, he says in in these verses we just read, we know in verse 18 that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. And this is the sin, I believe, which is the sin that leads to death. It is the decisive... a moment in our lives where we have committed our way to a life of sinning. 
Now, that does not mean that you, everything you do is sin. It might mean that you are persisting in sin, knowing full well or um, that you are holding that sin and wanting to live in that sin. So um, the majority of people in the world, unbelievers, will be those who are living in sin because they don't know any other. And the Bible tells us that the wage of sin is death. So there is no provision in that lifestyle for salvation until you are willing to lay down that desire to continue in sin. And that's what happens when we go to Jesus. We go to Jesus, we have to be willing to repent, which is to lay down our lives, our decisions in our lives, in order to follow God, um, in order to, to follow his ways. We have to lay down our desire to sin. And, um, and Jesus does the work in us to enable us to do that. So we, we don't come to God when we have finished sinning. We come to him when we are in our absolute sinfulness, but he provides the change. That is the good news. So um, that is the sin that leads to death. If we continue in sin, we shall surely die spiritually. We will remain in our spiritual death. We will die and, and um, continue on in eternal damnation, eternal death. And uh, so we're talking about when these two contexts, when Christians stumble. You know, and it's important that we as a church are walking with one another, encouraging one another, but also challenging one another when we see that someone is starting to believe the wrong things. And it's, it's something that we do in love. It is not done where we point the finger. It's not done where we cast people out. It's where we go to someone and say, you know, brother, sister, or whatever their name is, we say, look, I'm concerned for you. You need to be done with this. You need to repent from this because sin robs you from the blessings of God. And as James says, if we were to go into James, it says that our desires or the temptations can lead to sin. The temptation is not sin, but when we give in to temptation, leads to sin and sin to death. So we've got to be careful. We need to watch out for one another. We need to say to our, our um, church family, and say, come on, get up, repent, move on. You're missing out on the blessings and the wonders of God. But, and, and John is saying, you know, let's pray for one another. If anyone sees a brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. Pray for one another. You know, maybe before you go and talk to someone, you should have already been praying for them and waiting for the time. Some people may not be in a position to hear. The grace of God covers us amazingly. But we need to be praying for them. And John is saying, when he says, I do not say pray for those who, um, or uh, what is, let me read it. Um, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. He's not saying that we do not pray for people who have committed their way against God. He's not saying that. He's saying, in this instance, this is what I believe, because it, it, it doesn't fit with the rest of Scripture. In this instance, I'm not talking about going to people uh, or praying for those who have made that commitment in the way I'm talking to you now. He's talking about in sin that does not lead to death, pray for them. God will move in their hearts. God is with them. God's grace is upon them. Um, and they will turn back and they will, they will repent from their sin. There is a time where we need to pray for people who have committed their way against God. We were like that one day. And maybe it's because someone prayed for us. 
So, but he's not saying that we shouldn't pray for people or that there is some kind of sin that, is, that you should never pray for. Um, and I think that's going outside 1 John because um, 1 John is quite clear how he's talked about sin and we can see that in this passage. Let's pray for people. Let's be accountable to people. Let someone pray for you or encourage you or even challenge you. In verse 18, John says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. The work of God's grace is powerful and protective. You know, John 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. God is not um, slow to respond to the work of the enemy, to want to influence us, to challenge us, to lie to us, to oppress us. And so we need to uh, remember this wonderful power of God that has been given to us through Christ, this love of God which has been poured out upon us. And so when we're thinking about um, sin and we're thinking about encouraging one another, we know that God is working on our behalf, and that's a wonderful thing. You know, and then he goes on, he says in 1 John 5, 19 to 20, we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And this is the confidence we have in the gospel. We are from God. We are in his kingdom. We are in his family. We stand in his, um, on, on the rock of Jesus Christ. In his hands we are held. You know, we are from God. The world lies under the power of the devil, but we stand on the rock. The world build, it builds its life on the sand. And if you know that story of Jesus, when the storms come, it is unsafe. And, uh, but we are built on the safety of knowing Jesus Christ. And again, I want to come back to this gospel. This is the good news. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners in order that we may know him and know him personally. And, uh, you know, if anyone, again, just that if there's anyone who is listening and he believes that the Christian life is simply to fulfill the Ten Commandments and do good and to be a good person, that is not the gospel, it is not just following rules, it is following a person and that person of Jesus Christ. It is knowing them um, personally. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ reached down to grab us in the miry clay where we were sinking and set our feet upon a rock. It is good news because Christ has made, known to, has made himself known to us even while we were in our sin, he died for us. He's not looking for how good you are. He's looking for those who will respond to his goodness. Entrance into heaven is not one of works. It is simply meeting a friend at the gate. Do you know Jesus? Do you know the gospel? Do you know him? This is good news. Or are you Christians listening, church, are you carrying burdens that you shouldn't be carrying as a Christian because you've forgotten the gospel of grace? Are you trying to work your way? You're taking things on board because you've got to do it. Are you worrying about things that are not yours to worry about? 
Are you working towards back into God's good books for some reason? Are you feeling guilty because you do not feel good enough, worthy enough to stand in his presence? And of course, none of us is worthy, but Christ has made us worthy through giving us his righteousness. See, we've got to come back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, finally, John says in the last verse, he says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. And just going back until 2.24, he says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Idols are those things that rob your time with God. And I don't just mean having quiet times. I mean your thoughts, your heart, your worship, your time with God. And what idols do is they present themselves as a false saviour. There is but one saviour, that is Jesus Christ. But there are many things in this world that are presenting themselves as false saviours. And that might be money, it might be power, it might be reputation, it might be your social friendships, it might be how well you're accepted by people, what you look like. And all these things are there to say, if you have this, you will do well. But Jesus says, if you know me, it will all be well. And uh, there are many things that say that they are going to be idols. So John says, quite simply, keep yourself from idols. Keep your eyes on God. So I want to finish with this just last encouragement. Do you know the gospel of Jesus Christ and its grace? It is not works. And if you are in sin and you stumbled into sin, grace is sufficient. Get up, repent. Our forgiveness of sin, cleansed by the Holy Spirit and start walking again with Jesus. And if you have committed your way to sin, if you are quite happy to live in your own way and none of this is making any kind of sense to you, you don't want any of it, then I want to pray for you that you may have a glimpse of the grace of God, that you will see how much God loves you. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to lead into a song, a, a fantastic song I just love listening to. It's actually a kids' choir, um, but it's just so encouraging. So I want us to be encouraged. I want us to be celebrating the gospel of Jesus. So as you listen to it, maybe you would just worship and praise God and just enjoy God as you listen to this. So I'm going to pray. Father, I want to thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to thank you, Lord, that you've accepted me in all of my sin. And you've come into my life and you've changed me from the inside out. I could not do it. I cannot do it on my own. I don't want to do it because I've seen, Lord, that your grace, your love, Lord, and your gift of faith is the means by which I've been able to come into this wonderful truth. And I'm still learning. But if I stumble, I know, Lord, that I've got brothers and sisters around me who would encourage me and challenge me and cause me to come to you in repentance and forgiveness. And thank you that you accept me. And I want to pray, Lord, that you will give a revelation of your gospel to everyone listening, Christian or not. Lord, that you will again give a fresh new vision and understanding of your grace in these days. In Jesus' name, amen.